we close out our time on uh, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, I'd like for you to look with me at it. The first 12 verses, there may be no greater segue talking about God's Word and then going into talking about our words and the power that they have. Verse 1, not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his whole body. Now when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, the tongue is a small part of the body, and it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. For every creature, animal or bird, reptile or fish, is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. You may be seated. We're going to conclude quickly this morning part three of our study on taming the tongue. James, in this particular passage, as we have looked at over the last couple of weeks, he has laid some groundwork for us. You'll see that there if you want to follow along on your bulletin. If you're a note taker, provide a little outline for you. You'll see that there on the back. The groundwork basically is this, that your words matter. They matter. They're not just something that is said and has no purpose, has no power, but they matter because, first of all, they reveal your heart. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart comes out. So your words reveal your heart. They also indicate spiritual maturity. We saw that last week, that if you are able to control your tongue, control your words, then it indicates, for the most part, a controlled life, spiritually mature. And also, we'll see this morning, our words have tremendous power. So the last two weeks, we've looked at two different truths, and we'll see the third in this particular passage this week, that first, you are accountable for every word you say and everything you teach. And I'm the same way. I am responsible and accountable for every word I say and everything I teach. And I hope that's been in your mind the last couple of weeks. I know that it has been in my mind for the last couple of weeks. And I realize that there are times when I've done really well. And then times when I wish I hadn't said what I just said. And I've been there. And I know with friends and family and whatever it may be. And so we know that we are accountable. Not only that, but last week we looked at the fact that a controlled tongue leads to a controlled life. We sin so easily with our words. It's easy to do that. We just spout things off and we think that, well, I just need to speak my mind. And boy, we sin so easily with our tongue. And James makes it clear that if you're able to control your tongue, then you're quite likely able to control the rest of your being. And so a controlled tongue leads to a controlled life. And then we get to the truth this week. Look with me again at at, at verse 5. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites. You ever watch those, uh, the news programs occasionally when the wildfires are going and you just think, wow, 
You know, it started maybe with a campfire that got out of control, or somebody just sort of, you know, tosses a cigarette out the window, or maybe a lightning strike, or whatever it may be, and all of a sudden you have this raging forest fire that, in, that consumes thousands and hundreds of thousands of acres. And certainly we can see how James equates that with our tongue. Today's truth, I want to give this to you very, very simply, and it is this. Words can destroy, and those are the words you're going to write down. I want you to remember that. You remember nothing else today. You remember words can destroy. Words can destroy quickly, extensively, and completely. Just like that forest fire. It doesn't take long for a forest fire to get going. It gets going really quickly. Where our words set a fire just like that. Just quickly. Boy, never even thought that would happen. Well, you know what I said? I didn't think it was any big deal. But how quickly the fire gets started because of our words. And then it consumes and destroys extensively. Those wildfires are hard to contain. <laughs> they get out of hand really quick. And it takes weeks sometimes to get them under control. And by the time the fire is put out, extensive damage has occurred. Maybe you've seen that in your own life. How words have destroyed extensively. Boy, it's quick. And then it's extensive. Wow. We couldn't contain it. And in its extensive damage, those words can also destroy completely. Well, you look at those forests after a fire goes through, there's nothing left. Nothing. It's gone. And sometimes entire communities are gone. Complete destruction. As I told you a couple of weeks ago, there are many of you who could stand up and say, look, let me just preach this sermon for you because I can tell you how quickly words can destroy. And I can tell you how extensively they can go. Boy, let me tell you. My family, my relationships, whatever it may be, there's complete destruction. And it's all because of words. All because of the tongue. Consider how a large forest is set on fire by a small spark. How then do you harness the power of words? Boy, they have tremendous power. They destroy so easily, like that forest fire that spreads out and destroys everything it touches. Many of you have had friends and family relationships that are destroyed, you seem, you think, forever. We see that in families and friends and also in businesses and churches and teams and whatever it may be that words so easily divide and destroy. Some of you this morning, you realize you've caused damage like that. You say, you know what, I'm not going to raise my hand, but that's me. I, my tongue is out of control. And you know what I say is, I, I just, I chalk it up to, well, that's just my personality, but I realize that I've hurt people. I realize I've destroyed. I realize I've started fires with the words I say. Some of you, that's you this morning. Others have been caught up in it. You've been affected by it. I realize, even more so this last week, at a conference Nancy and I went to, how easy it is for words, in particular, to destroy people. Some of you are the product of an environment where, as Bill mentioned, I love you was never said. Instead, it was replaced with words that were cutting and condemning. And maybe you're the product of that. And you see that in your own life, how now you're doing that maybe to your family, to your children, and you want to stop it somehow. So how do we harness the power of words? I want to give you three little things this morning, and we'll close on how you can harness the power of words. And I think the very first step in saying, I want to get control of this thing. I, want, I know words are powerful. I want to harness them. The first step is to respect 
the power of words. Some of us long ago have forgotten how powerful our words are. And this may sound repetitious to you from what I just said, but I think if we're going to harness that power, we're going to do anything about it whatsoever. If you as a person are going to interrupt that process in your life, if you as a parent don't want to pass that on to your children, at some point you have to draw a line on the stand and say, I'm going to respect the power of words. What does James say? He paints a graphic picture here. Verses 5 and 6, he says that our tongue is a fire. He doesn't say it's like a fire. He says it is a fire. It destroys. Well, what potential our words have. We have to respect the fact that our words can easily and quickly, extensively, and completely destroy. They destroy our world. They destroy others. They destroy friendships, our family. They can destroy churches and so on. And we've seen that throughout history. In verse 6, he calls the tongue a world of, of unrighteousness. Think about all the things for just a minute that you hate about that ungodly world that you see out there. Well, the way people talk to each other, the language they use, the things they do, and so on. You realize that that whole world is hiding behind your teeth? That whole world of unrighteousness is hiding right behind your teeth this morning. You may smile, and right behind it is a world of unrighteousness. You may grit your teeth, and right behind it is run the bust out. There it is. You may frown, whatever it may be. But in your mouth and in mine is the potential, that world of unrighteousness. That's wanting to be unleashed. Ever feel like that? Mm, you know, what we say, we got to bite our tongue. Why? Because there's a world of unrighteousness ready to be unleashed. James says that's exactly what it is. He also says that it pollutes the whole body. There's something about our words that promotes sin in other areas of our lives. Because with our words, we express our hatred. With our words, we express our disdain for people. With our words, we express all the things that can pollute us. He also says in verse 6 that it sets the course of life on fire. You realize that your words, just like that forest fire, can be used to cause extensive damage. And you may say, you know what, I, I see that. I see that in my husband and my wife. I see that in my children. I see that in my parents. I see that in my extended family. I see that in my work relationships. That it set the entire course of your life on fire. And then everywhere you go, things burn up. Why? Because of that world of unrighteousness hidden behind your teeth that sometimes we allow to escape. And it's not just you that your words affect. And it's not just now that your words affect. It affects those you influence. That's such a burden for young children who grow up in homes where they are berated, where they are cut down, where they're not reinforced with positive talk, but constantly badgered with negative things. And it may not be directly, but by inference they learn, I'm stupid, I'm not any good, it's never enough, I certainly don't measure up, and nobody really likes me. And some of you as adults, you carry that. And you know what it's like. And my heart is burdened both for you and for those children that we influence. And you may be a person who is a grandparent. And you say, you know what, I, I, I know what words were like to me, and I'm not going to do that to my grandchildren. I will speak differently to them. Some of you are parents. 
and your children are still young enough to where you can turn the tide, so to speak. And what a great story we see of a 37-year-old man whose life was turned around by three little words from Dad. I love you. Sets the whole course of life on fire. Not just for now, but for years to come in many cases. Verse 6 then says that the tongue itself is set on fire by hell. Well, how exciting is that? you got something hiding behind your teeth that's set on fire by hell. Well, that's exciting. The truth is, we know that by nature the tongue is anti-God. Because it's a direct reflection of our sinful nature and just spews that out all over the place. And by nature, it is in the hands of Satan a tool for him to use to destroy. Set on fire by hell. To be used by Satan for his purposes. And then verses 7 and 8 say, No man can tame the tongue. Everything else is being tamed and has been tamed, but no man can tame the tongue. It's wild. It's reckless. It's undisciplined. It slips easily. We had a slip of the tongue, so to speak. Slips easily. No man can tame it. Verse 8 also says it is a restless evil, meaning that it's inconsistent. It really kind of has a mind of its own. And you say, oh, where did that come from? Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. How many of you this week? Now, listen, I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but somebody's going to elbow you. How many of you this week had one of those moments you just think, man, where'd that come from? Goodness gracious, I can't believe I said that. And it may not be humorous to you. You had a slip of the tongue. You had that uncontrolled, undisciplined nature. And you say, yes, I know it's a restless evil. Trust me, it's trying to bust out of those teeth all the time. I'm with you, I understand. Verse 8 also says, and what is James? I mean, he goes on and on. He says, it's a restless evil full of what? Deadly poison. Well, this is an encouraging message this morning, isn't it? Let me tell you, hiding behind your teeth is a, what does he say? Something not able to be tamed that's set on fire by hell, a restless evil, and a deadly poison. Man, we have to respect the power of the tongue. Respect the power of our words in order to harness it. Now, the first thing I always want to know about snakes and spiders, number one, are they dead? Because I've told my kids, and, and they know particularly about snakes, the only good snake is a dead snake. Not to get off on a tangent, but you know, that's over, that's biblical. It is. Because in, at least I think. And so, I mean, God doesn't even like snakes. I mean, you know, in, you know, I mean, some of you snake lovers, you know, are nuts, you know. And so we'll pray for you today that you repent and turn around and get saved and all that. And, but in Genesis chapter 3, they were cursed from the beginning. God didn't even like them. So my first question is, you know, don't, don't study that, because just trust me. All right, God didn't even like them. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> my first question is always, is it dead? And second question is, is it poisonous? I want to know, because then I'm going to kill it. Or at least I'm going to ask somebody after I've already killed it, regardless if it's poisonous or not, you know. But, you know, with spiders, too, I mean, you see these little spiders, and, they, you know, they're huge, you know, at least they seem it. You want to know, is it, is it poisonous, you know? And, and, well, I hate snakes and spiders. I hate them. And uh, that's, we're not here for my therapy. I'm sorry. Um, where are we? James 3, not Genesis 3. So, anyway, the truth is, though, that, that we don't have to ask about whether the tongue is poisonous or not. It is. By nature, by, by our sinful nature, just what we're born with, what we come in the world with, the tongue is the poison. And it just spews poison all over the place. And with one quick bite, man, what damage 
what death can occur. Some of you were killed, so to speak, emotionally years ago by what words were said to you. Some of you this last week said words that were poisonous to the situation in which you were in. And we know that. We don't have to ask. Verse 9 talks about that the tongue, even though it is all those things, has the potential for good. What does he say? He said, in verse 9, with it, talking to our tongue, our words, we what? Bless our Lord and Father. We praise God. We come to church, maybe. We do that in our own homes. We praise God. We talk about the good news of Jesus Christ, and we want others to hear it. And so it has great potential for good. And certainly that's part of it. And verse 9 indicates that. Our words can give life. Our words can bring praise to God. But then in verse 9, at the end of that, he says, and with it we what? Curse men who are made in God's likeness or God's image. So not only does it have the potential for good, but it has the great potential to destroy another person. We curse men made in God's likeness both publicly, we've done that before, I'm sure, and privately. Maybe to their face, maybe to their back, whatever it may be, we curse someone. Does that mean you use cuss words against them? Maybe, but not always. You just simply defame them, cut down their character, say things that set a fire that can quickly and easily get out of control. We do that against both unbelievers, those evil folks out there, and against believers, folks that we would consider and talk and say are a family, brothers and sisters in Christ. We do that against people we know and people we don't know, and we're praising God one minute and dogging someone out the next minute. And James says, my brothers, <laughs> these things should not be this way. Ultimately, the tongue can lead us to hypocrisy. Verses 10 and 12 talk about how there shouldn't be good things and bad things coming out of the same mouth. Should not be praising God one minute and cursing someone the other. Talking out of both sides of our mouth, he says, is direct and blatant hypocrisy. So the truth is, if you and I are going to harness the power of our words, we must first respect the power of our words. And none of us, myself included, none of us are above this. None of us have reached a point where we no longer have to consider what we say and measure our words and where we're no longer accountable for them. None of us have reached that point. And so the next step then quickly is to evaluate your words. You respect the power of your words and then take an inventory. I challenge us to do this from time to time and just, you know what, think back this week. Based upon this passage, how, how many fires did you set this week? How many words did you throw out with just a small spark? Well, you know, not, not like that guy, you know. I mean, good grief, if you heard him talk, you know, you'd think I was pretty good. How many fires did you set, though? How much unrighteousness was unleashed from behind your teeth? Some folks will tell me, oh, man, you know, that message hit me right between the eyes. And I'll say, well, listen, I've been dealing with it all week long. And so when I say these things, I, <laughs> I, you know, some parts of me wish I was above all this stuff, because then I could speak from point of strength. And I realized how weak I am in many areas. Sometimes I'm starting fires. Unleashing unrighteousness. Sometimes it's polluting your, my whole body. Maybe you let loose of that restless evil this particular week or before. And you realize that you poison situations. So evaluate. 
Maybe you'd be so bold even this afternoon as to ask your family. You talk about a humbling experience. You ask your family, your husband, your wife, your kids, your grandkids, your mom, your dad, your whomever, brother, sister, whomever it is, how am I doing? You tell, when do I set fires? With what I say, when have I set a fire? And let me see, they'll tell you. Just be ready. You want to ask that question, you want an honest answer, you're probably going to get one. But let me tell you, there's nothing more freeing than to evaluate and figure out where you stand. Maybe with your coworkers or your boss or your employees. Well, listen, we don't do that kind of stuff at work. You want to be righteous everywhere you go, challenge them. Ask them, how am I doing? How do you receive what I'm saying to you? Have I set any fires here at work? Am I, am I speaking to you with words of encouragement or am I always talking down to you? Just ask them. Somebody say, no way. I'm not asking them. Ask them. Parents with your children, maybe ask them. They may be young. You may think it's no big deal. Ask them. Find out what your words are saying to them. So evaluate your words based upon this passage, based upon others we referenced a few weeks ago, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3. Remember that James is writing to a group of believers. He says, my brothers. He's writing to Christians. So this isn't a message that you run out and immediately preach to that guy at work. Boy, he needs to hear this. Or you go and you talk to your mom or your dad and you say, you know what? All those years, here's what you've been needing to hear. No, no, this is a message first for us. It's a message for you and it's a message for me. So take an inventory of the pattern of your words. And then thirdly, after you've respected the power and understood all that and you've evaluated it, thirdly, water down your heart so a fire cannot begin. Water down your heart so a fire cannot begin. You realize that forest fires can't start when the moisture content of whatever could burn is really high? You ever noticed in, in, in the news when they... When a, when a fire is making its way toward a particular community, they go and they water everything down. You ever seen that? Try to water down the house and the trees. They're trying to get the moisture content up because when the fire hits it and the moisture content is really high, it can't burn. So I would encourage you to water down your own heart so that fires cannot begin from within you and that when a fire comes your way, you don't get caught up in it either. How do you do that? There's no particular formula. I think there are certain things that may be involved in watering down your heart. I think daily submission to the Lord in this area. You wake up in the morning, guess what's behind your teeth? A world of unrighteousness. A deadly poison. A fire waiting to escape. So what do we do? Challenge you before you go to bed tonight and then first thing in the morning. Say, God, you know what? I'm giving you control of my tongue and my words today. And then when you get to work or even on your way to work, when somebody cuts you off, Lord... I'm giving you control, again, of my words. It's daily and it's minute-by-minute submission. That's what the Christian life is about. It's not about a one-time experience that that's it and never ends. It's not about coming to church and hearing something and say, yeah, it was good. It's about living it out every single day. And I'll say this as well. It's not about just standing up and preaching and saying, well, I guess I did my thing. No, no, It's about me living it out tomorrow as well when I get up. That world of unrighteousness hiding behind my teeth needs to be yielded to God, submitted to Him, and particularly in the hot spots you know you're going to encounter. You know those people. You know those people that bring out the worst in you, and y'all get to going, and here you go, and, 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 and you're talking about this person and that person, or whomever it is, I don't know. 
You know that person that pushes your buttons just the right way and you want to go and talk about them? You know those situations. Yield in particular, submit to God in that. I think also involved in watering down your heart is taking in the Scripture. For some of us, it would be a wonderful idea and a powerful thing to memorize James chapter 3, verses 1 and 12. I just have that in my heart to say, Lord, I'm going to water down my heart. I'm going to realize the power of my words. I'm going to respect that. Our scripture intake. And we memorize it. We meditate on it. We allow it to be in our minds throughout the day. And then we apply those things. Next time you're with that person. And you're tempted to unleash that deadly poison from behind your teeth. You say, you know what, Lord? Just in this moment, I'm going to choose to let it go. I'm going to choose to live in your power and give that to you. That's what the Christian life is about. Another way you can water down your heart may be through forgiveness. Forgiveness of a parent, a friend, a child, a church member, a co-worker, a boss, I don't know. For things they've said to you. For things they've said about you. Fires they've started. And you say, you know what? It's not right what they did, but I, I'm not going to hold it against them anymore. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to give that to God and let Him deal with that. Forgiveness may be one way you water down your heart so that when the fire comes, you say, you know what? That, that's been forgiven. I'm not, I'm not going there. God has that problem now. Or maybe it's repentance. And you say, you know what? I realize I'm the person starting the fires, and I'm going to let God change my mind and my heart about this, and I'm going the other way. Repentance. Turn around through God's power. Or maybe it's through an apology. Don't think that just because that you have apologized to the Lord that maybe the fire has been put out. Because if there's a fire that you're even remotely responsible for in your family, it's also not only is it God's problem, but it's your problem. It's my problem. So maybe an apology to a parent or to a friend or to a child or to a co-worker an extended relative of somebody you're in contact with. I, I don't know. But those things, I believe, can help us water down our hearts so fires don't start within us and they don't get to us and spread. Words can destroy quickly, extensively, and completely. And as Bill mentioned earlier, words can also bring life. The Word of God brings life to us. Forgiveness. Salvation. Scripture indicates that, that the words of God bring just those things. They don't start fires. The words of God bring us life. The words of God tell us that you and I are loved by God no matter what you have done, who you have been, or where you are right now. Just because you are God's creation, you are loved by Him. And He says that you are loved by God and you are offered salvation, eternal life by Him through Jesus Christ. And you don't have to be good enough for it because the Bible says that's impossible. And you can't ever be bad enough for it to, to, to not deserve or not earn salvation because the Bible says you can't earn it, you can't deserve it, so it doesn't matter how good you've been or how bad you've been, it's a free gift. And Jesus went to the cross for those who consider themselves good and those who consider themselves bad because each one of us, the Bible says, has sinned. And it's only through faith in Jesus Christ that we receive those words of life and are forgiven and given eternal life. And so maybe this morning you would 
give your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you say, you know what, Lord, I can't control myself. I, I, I'm not looking to try to perform and to be just good enough, but God, I, I know I want you in my life. Maybe that's you this morning. And you pray something like, Lord, I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and He died for me. And I want Him in my life. And you pray that prayer to Jesus and say, come in. You don't have to clean yourself up beforehand. The truth is you can't do it anyway. You come just exactly how you are. You trust God with your life, and He'll do in it what He wants. And He'll clean you up. But you only can come through faith. And so maybe this morning that's how you approach the Lord. It's sort of empty-handed, saying, God, i got nothing, but I want you. Or maybe as you realize the power of words this morning that you would apologize to someone. Maybe even before you leave. Maybe even during the, the time when Danny and Randy will be here singing and playing. You just go to somebody and say, you know what? I know we can't solve it all here, but I, I just want you to know I'm sorry. And you just take that step. Or maybe maybe you'd be the one who would just there in your seat. Or maybe you want to come down and pray. I don't know, whatever whatever is best for you. Just say, you know what? I, I need to forgive that person. They may never apologize to me. They may never try to make it right, but I'm going to forgive. Water down your heart so fire cannot be given. Give your life to Jesus so that He can give you a new heart and make you what He wants you to be, what He created you to be. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's a privilege to focus on Your Word this morning. To hold it up as a reflection to us to see where exactly we need You most in our lives. Lord, for some of us, we need you this morning for salvation, because maybe we've never done that. For others, Lord, we need you to help us harness the power of our words, to water down our hearts, Lord, so fires don't begin within us and they don't spread once they get to us. Lord, help us to take whatever step it is that we need to. Give us courage and boldness, we pray in Jesus' name.